The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. One of the challenges for any photographer is photographing in his or hers own backyard. It's just too easy to take what's in our neighborhood for granted. We see it every day, hence, what could be so special about it? But therein lies the power of photography, its ability to reveal the familiar and mundane in wonderful new ways. And that is what makes the photography of Quasi Boyd Bolden so special. He photographs the City of Angels by documenting its endless and overlapping signage, strip malls, and palm trees, and does so from a personal point of view. The result is polarizing for sure. For some, it's a confirmation of the Los Angeles of their memories and their current experiences, while for others, it lacks the beauty and mystery of the city's manufactured mythology. And therein lies the strength of his work. It doesn't leave the viewer thinking just one thing. It challenges you to give a little thought to what you think you're seeing. I was really struck by your work. Uh, I was I was born in New York, but I was raised in L.A., so I really have very little memory of New York. So Los Angeles has been it for me. Okay. And, okay. And Same, taking, yeah, and taking a look at your photographs, I think it's one of the few times that I I could actually say I saw my Los Angeles in somebody's pictures. And I think you probably have heard that. You know, other people share that from some of the comments that I've I've seen other people make about your photographs. But I, I think it's interesting that. Like me, you're a transplant. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get into the, into the photographs, tell us about how your family came out to ended up coming out to uh, Los Angeles. Basically, um, you know, pretty much um, like I was saying, um, I was born in Brooklyn. My family came out here when I was two and a half. And what prompted my family to come out here was my father moved out here. I'm the only child of my mom and my dad. I have four older siblings on my mom's side and I have a few other siblings on my father's side also. But I'm the only product of a relationship. And they were together for about 11 years in New York, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they ended that relationship, you know, after I was born and my father moved to California to, you know, to, you know, basically to get out of Brooklyn. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so, so, you know, he migrated out here and my mom followed because, um, one of the, you know, my mom wanted me to have a relationship with my dad. And um, my older siblings were getting a little bit older and we lived in Brownsville and she thought that L.A. or Hollywood in particular might be a better environment for them in the long run. And then that's pretty much what prompted it. So I've been out here since I was about two and a half, three years old. And Hollywood is Hollywood, Los Angeles, the L.A. area in general is home for me. There, there really isn't anything else. So what was the neighborhood you were first in that you have a memory of? First, the first neighborhood I have a memory of is Hollywood. Went to Vine Street Elementary School, right on Vine between um, Melrose and Santa Monica. 
Um, and we had a um, kind of a duplex apartment off of Hudson and Romaine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure we moved there about the time I was four. You know, I think when we first moved to California, we had a short stint in South LA off of um, Slauson and Van Ness. But after that, we moved to Hollywood, and that's kind of when I that's when I started to notice the neighborhood around me, and I actually remember you know friends playing outside, things of that sort. So, you mentioned Hollywood, and people who are not from from here have an image in their head. Right. They think Hollywood celebrity, you know, sports cars, champagne. <laughs> uh, that's not the, the Hollywood that you grew up with or I grew up with. So, yeah, not at all. So what for people who are not familiar, describe your Hollywood. Well, my Hollywood is is basically a place that's pretty it, it's a pretty normal place. And, and, and that that is only kind of shocking in contrast to the narrative that's normally that's the way it's normally depicted. But I mean, I grew up. It's it was a it was I would probably classify it as maybe like lower middle class. The part everyone was uh, working class is probably the best way to describe it. At least when when I was younger, um, really large immigrant population, very diverse, really nice. Um, it was a lot quieter and a lot calmer when I was a kid, and it steadily got a lot more hectic and you know things changed in Hollywood over the time that I lived there mm-hmm. I would definitely say that I mean it's hard to say normal because I realize normal means so many different things to so many different people but it, it's really it, it was that's kind of my baseline and, and it was it was just a nice neighborhood we played outside we rode bikes skateboarding was big that's pretty much the best way I can describe it really diverse really uh Low-key. Yeah, because that, that East Hollywood area, I mean, we come from slightly different generations, but I think, yeah, because I was uh, hanging out there during like the 70s. Okay, um, okay. So okay. you're probably late 80s, 90s. So this uh, is Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I my, my time in Hollywood is, yeah, late basically late 80s right into the, the 90s mostly, absolutely. Yeah. So it really didn't change a lot in that during that time because I think, like you said, uh, it's incredibly diverse. I mean, there is a large Armenian community. There are the Thai community, uh, Latinos from not only Mexico, from Central America. Uh, I mean, man, an incredible mashup. And I think that 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 part of Los Angeles is kind of rare because people are very surprised at how segregated Los Angeles, the city is. Absolutely. And that, that this is a pocket of Los Angeles where within a very short time you can experience very different cultures in a very small area. Which I think is oh, really absolutely, kind of amazing. absolutely, and I mean a lot of that is is one of the biggest you know parts of who I am as a person. I mean, aside from who I am as a photographer, but I mean that's the that's the sort of environment I grew up in. I mean, I grew up with friends from everywhere. I grew up with just a large variety of experiences from different cultures, and that was the norm for not only myself but for the people I grew up with also. So, in a lot of ways, when I got older and went to um, junior high, high school, places where, you know, people from outside of Hollywood would, would come. It, that was where I realized how unique my upbringing in Hollywood actually was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that part of Los Angeles is like, sometimes I, I want to describe it as concrete and strip malls. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so densely populated uh, that if it isn't, you know, apartment buildings, it's all mm-hmm. these sort of stores and, and there's not, you know, you don't think about that part of town as having a lot of green space. It's there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, sort of growing up as a kid, I know you didn't have anything really to sort of compare it with, but can you talk Mm -hmm. about how you sort of, because your your, your photographs really reflect the community in a really unique way. And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as how, looking back, you felt you experienced, you know, the neighborhoods with all the things that, that make it what it is. I mean, I think that one of the keys to, kind of how I, I put together my my approach to documenting Hollywood. I mean, it really does have a lot to do with skateboarding, skateboard culture, and, you know, what led into um, graffiti art for me personally. I skateboarded for like 12 years from the time that I was like 10 to 12, all through Koreatown, Hollywood, downtown LA, pretty much at the height of the street skating movement, mm-hmm. um, or at the at the emergence of it rather in LA at the time, um, you know, basically early to mid nineties. And you just see a lot of the city and it was a time before skateboarding, it was before the X Games, it was before it had in, hit any sort of popularity, popular critical mass. And in a lot of ways, my friends and I were outcasts. We weren't the cool kids at school because we skateboarded. We, there was no money in it. Um, we were basically a bunch of ragtag kids that just, you know, skateboarded up and down the street and made a lot of noise and had fun doing it. That kind of showed me how the city not only can be experienced in a different way than most people, but and also I just I just looked at things. I just looked mm-hmm. at structures. I just looked at buildings and streets and curbs in a context that other people or a lot of other people didn't really see it as. And that actually carried over to graffiti art also. I was never a, a, a super prolific graffiti writer or anything like that, but it was a community I was I was deeply a part of. All of my friends were a part of. And looking at the walls and looking at the city in that way through that lens also basically shaped the way that I, I see it. And after, you know, I outgrew kind of my rebellious phase, that aesthetic stuck. Yeah. And that 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 kind of combined with, you know, some, you know, some personal stuff, some, you know, family tragedies, just life and getting older in, in a place in general really kind of combined in, in, into the way that I, I approach it. And I start with the landscape just because the landscape tells a story to me. And like most people see the LA landscape as particularly nondescript mm-hmm. or they don't really see the the magic or the the charm in it. But you know, really when it comes down to it, everything that I, I, I talked about, including like the painful stuff for me, took place on these streets. And so I really like to depict them and kind of elevate them in a way that is, um, you know, above just some place you would drive through. Yeah, yeah. And that painful experience is the loss of your sister. Um, um, amongst other things. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, honestly, Hollywood, you know, in, in a lot of ways, Hollywood is rough in, in ways that people don't understand. You know, I've witnessed a friend pass away. We were shot at. It was a drive-by right in the middle of Hollywood. You know, I've been, you know, chased. You know, I mean, th- this is Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially yeah. in the 90s, like, it was a rough, rough place. And in, in a lot of ways, it still is. There's a ton of gang activity. There's a, a large drug presence. Um, and all of that is on top of, you know, like, you know, what happened with my sister and the issues that she had. And, and you know, it's just, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I chose I chose to use, to use a landscape as a medium to kind of record and express that because I felt like that was the best way for me to tell it or present it in the in the way that I, I in the way that it, it kind of resonated with me mm-hmm. and you know it was weird I never thought anyone else would really get it but it turns out that 
you know, there was something there. <laughs> you mentioning that you, you know, were into skateboard culture. All of a sudden, it makes sense how you see uh, the city. You know, because as, as a skateboarder, you're looking at these buildings and these and these curbs as their potential for your skateboarding. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. that's how your attention is drawn to details that everyone else would be completely oblivious to. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, skateboarding, I, I really can't. Um, it, it, it's just that whole experience was just the core of like my creative drive from, uh, you know, I mean, I got into illustration and stuff like that before I was a photographer or before I was a serious photographer. But really the the thing behind it and where it started was was with skateboarding. So you picked up your dad's camera. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it came my way. <laughs> OK. So tell me about, about about that and how that sort of sort of segued into you using the camera in the way that you do. OK. So basically when I, you know, be prior to being a photographer and prior to having a real interest in the medium and long after, you know, my graffiti or skateboarding days, I got I was really into graphic design or I was interested in graphic design and I was interested in illustration. And so those were the main things I, I, I worked at. And that was the main way that I expressed myself. I always had a sketchbook. I was learning, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator and things like that. Um, and I was also attending um, uh, Los Angeles Trade Tech College for their visual, visual communications program. That was the beginning of that. In the middle of that program, actually, uh, you know, I was I was two quarters in. My father passed away, mm. which was something that really kind of rocked my world. Um, and I was kind of lost for a while. I didn't immediately get his camera right after he passed away. It was about maybe two years. My mom, you know, I guess had it and was like, hey, this is your dad's camera. Do you want it? And yeah, of course. I mean, it was one, I didn't have a lot of pieces or, 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 or things from my father directly. I had a few things, but you know, something as valuable as a camera and as as a as a creative, seeing the potential of a camera, I was really I was really into into getting it, and it was a really interesting camera. My 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 dad had an Olympus Pin F half frame camera, so automatically it was different. Yeah, and that was a you know you know I I didn't realize I didn't know it was different until I developed the first roll or got the first roll developed. And I was like, oh wow, I have little diptychs. Like this is pretty interesting, and I think that my background as a graphic designer and kind of you know as a visual artist. I really saw the potential in that. And I, I honestly, for the first maybe year, I just took pictures of everything. I had random things. I, I worked at a Kinko's. I took pictures of copy machines and computers. I took pictures of my cat. Just just anything I could take a picture of to just kind of examine it. That's when I took the class at LACC. Anything just to get more of a understanding of how photography worked and what what, if anything, I would possibly do with it. But after about a year, I moved outside. And I stopped kind of, you know, I kind of started taking it a little bit more more seriously. And that was really around the time where I lived in Koreatown at the time. I, I had moved out of my mom's house and I lived on my own near Olympic and Western. Okay. And that neighborhood just started transforming. I mean, like really like this was maybe, wow, around 2000, 2001. And that was when the redevelopment of Los Angeles in, in that area in particular just really, you know, started to accelerate. They were building the Purple Line station mm -hmm. on Western and, um, and Wilshire. All of the Purple Line was being constructed or, or maybe it just opened from downtown. And that was like the first stop. And everyone was like, why does it just stop here? It's, you know, it's like it wasn't as u as useful. And so I just started taking pictures of, of how the neighbor was changing and, and really uh, you know, at the time, Koreatown, it's hard to believe now, was mostly just older apartments and like 
maybe duplexes and single yeah. story. I mean, it was a completely different place and all of that was gone. And so I started documenting that and that's how I kind of, that's how I got on the path that I was at. And really I didn't take it seriously, but for probably about the next five or six years, I just did it. It was automatic. I, I ended up working at a school downtown called FITM, um, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, mm-hmm. as a computer lab tech. Me and a couple of the other computer lab techs happened to be photographers. One of them is my buddy, Luis Torres. Another one's my buddy, Erwin Racinos. We have a, a, a film thing called Snapshot Galleria we do together. But we all shot very similar things in Los Angeles using film and you know, that's pretty much how, how this all got started for me. It's interesting because, you know, I look at your photographs and that whole thing that you just said about, you know, your graphic design background is really evident in the, in the photographs in terms of how you look, you look at line and shape and how that sort of builds up your frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, as a body of work, you're really trying to express something personal about how you perceive the city. And I think that the transition between the two is what I, I, I really would like to talk to you about, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people will make photographs that it's more about the aesthetics rather than what they're trying to say. And some people never figure that out, that they have anything to say. So can you, can you tell me about when you started to realize, oh, maybe I can do something more than just create an individual image that looks good to me and create a body of work that's actually saying something? Yeah, yeah, that I mean that I, that actually is pretty interesting, and I've never been able to, I've never really been able to just take pictures for a for a visual purpose, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's because one things in my, I'm used to communicating visually and things in my life. You know, before I was a photographer, and when things happened to me, I would I would draw about it or I, I would try attempt to express myself. You know, in, in in that way. So in a lot of ways, photography definitely filled that gap for me in a way that I, I, I was able to communicate kind of the gravity of what I was trying to express in a way that I was never able to communicate through my illustrations. My illustrations are, are not realistic. So it, it, it was very difficult for me, for me to do that. But also it's, it's kind of born of the frustration that I have when I, I, I talk about Los Angeles or, or Hollywood and Koreatown in particular with people who are unfamiliar and having to get through the 10 to 20 minutes of disbelief about where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's because there's so much, I I don't know if a lot of other areas have so much information that's contrary to what it's actually like to live there. So it, it really became almost a mission of mine to one, recognize that I grew up in a really unique place and that not a lot of people from this place you know, have the opportunity to kind of, you know, convey that to other people, but also just to, to kind of show like, you know, there, there's, there's a thriving, you know, city life neighborhood that is not only here, but is being almost erased by redevelopment. And I think that a lot of people see the redevelopment as these are, you know, rundown places that are getting torn down and replaced. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of in a lot of ways, these rundown places also house people that live there that have made the community as incredible as it is. Yeah, you know, the whole reason Hollywood is such a great and Los Angeles in general, a greater is it such a great place to live is because of the people that live there. But the people that are live there are being pushed out because other people want to move there. It, it you know, it's it, yeah. it's this circle, and 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 you know, hopefully. With, with my work, I've always hoped to just kind of communicate 
not only what's coming, but what's disappearing. Yeah. In, in terms of like architectural design, in terms of just not, you know, like some of these beautiful places in downtown or further mm -hmm. out in the West Side, I think so much of Los Angeles, or at least my experience, my experience of, of the places where I grew up and, and I frequented, was that a lot of it was designed to be functional. Absolutely. Right? It, it wasn't so much about trying to uh, pursue a particular aesthetic, especially since Los Angelinos experience uh, the, the city through the window of their car. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. this is not this is not a place where you're casually walking down the street and sort of taking in the beauty of your of your city. You go from point A from point B, you get what you need and you go back home. Yeah. So yeah. to a great degree, that's how people sort of experience all of this thing. It's always on the periphery. Your photographs really force people to take a look at it, to discover what's there and how how this, you know, you know, abundance of signage, advertising, concrete, parking, you know, parking <laughs> Endless parking <laughs> stalls and all that stuff ha has an inherent beauty to it. Was was that fairly easy for you to sort of pick up on, or did you did that that vision sort of, did you refine that vision as you started going out there, beating the streets, making pictures? Um, it's it's interesting because um, one, you brought up the typography and the signage, and and that's you know coming from a design background, that's obviously a, a really big influence of mine. Also, um, you know, from when I was younger, I lived in Hollywood. I moved to Koreatown when I was about 11. And although I still went to and Koreatown and Hollywood, as, as you know, are, you know, are, are there, they border each other. And I live mm -hmm. near Beverly and Normandy, which is really the border of Koreatown and Hollywood. So right. it's not too deep in Koreatown and it's still Hollywood ish. And so basically for me. Growing up in that intersection where one, you have a, you know, a large, you know, Central American population, lots of signs in Spanish, and then literally a block over everything is in Korean. <laughs> Just, you know, visually that always kind of inspired me. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it was a very natural thing for me. It didn't, but it was also at the same time because, I mean, although I do understand a little bit of Spanish, I have, I have no grasp of, of, of the Korean language, especially the Korean written language. And so a lot of it visually was just very interesting to me. It always caught my eye, regardless of what I may or may not have been reading. And then also working in Koreatown and I mean, working downtown and living in Koreatown, I took the bus <laughs> and okay. taking the bus. And, and, you know, also aside from taking the bus, I, you know, years ago, I, I have, I've had my contacts T2 little compact camera for about 13 years. So through this whole time, Basically, in my backpack, I had my T2 and I would take the bus and I would take the bus to random places. I would just take pictures of stuff. And I just really didn't think much of it as I was doing it. But that sort of routine of waiting at the bus stop. OK, I'm waiting at the bus stop. There's no bus. Ah, I'll take a walk around the block and take some. I mean, that that was pretty much how this kind of gelled together for me. And after the fact, I mean, you know, years, years and years go by, you kind of look back and obviously you get better because you're you're working at something. But then you notice that. There's a there's a style that just was there that I, I didn't necessarily think about. Yeah, it just organically came together for me. I was going to ask about how your your shooting process and in the and the fact that you ride the bus made perfect sense to me. <laughs> it's like okay, I get it. That makes perfect yeah, sense because yeah, I, I don't ride anymore. The girls and the kids and you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, that 
and you know, but that was that was where it came from. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I was I was a, I was a writer of uh, Richard T. Davis before it became the MTA. And for people who don't know, Richard T. Davis was like the was the the the, the hood name for the Rapid Transit District of Los Angeles. The RTD, yes, yeah. and that's a LA classic, absolutely. <laughs> but um, that 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 whole thing about riding the bus and waiting at a bus stop and the opportunity that provides to explore is a really great and intimate way of discovering the city because you know if you're in your car you have to be purposeful about stopping the car in order to make photographs which is one of the more frustrating things about los angeles because you're as a photographer you're constantly seeing great things but driving by them right it's (laughs) it's a little easier to get off the bus than it is to you know oh where am i going to park the car and all that madness. Well, your work hasn't just been relegated to um, Hollywood and Koreatown. You did some stuff in the in the Valley. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how you experienced that part of Los Angeles and how it compared to what you had done before. The Valley is really interesting. And I have I'm new to the Valley, you know, um, basically how my relationship with the Valley prior to moving there about four years ago, yeah, about four years ago now, my relationship with the Valley was uh, you know, like anyone else that lived in, you know, what's considered L.A. proper kind of antagonistic um, or dismissive. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just wasn't, you know, I, I had some family that lived out in the valley. I had a couple buddies that lived out there. Um, my older brothers lived out there in Sherman Oaks when I was younger. So I would go visit them and they were um, they were in the music industry. So it was always fun to go visit them. But that was really my only connection to the valley prior to moving out there. So when I got out there and, you know, rent. We needed a bigger place. I have two daughters and, you know, um, I'm not priced out of L.A., but you get more bang for your buck just over the hill. And so we went just over the hill and I live in North Hollywood where I live in Toluca Lake right next to, to North Hollywood. And, you know, after being there for about six months, I I was like, well, this is where I live. I'm going to explore. This is Los, Los Angeles. And, you know, I I was beginning to enjoy living out there. And that was weird. I didn't really expect that. It was it was so hard for me to kind of be like, oh, I'm going to move to the Valley. But then once I got there, I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is actually nice. Like, you know, it's nice for the girls, it's less traffic. And, you know, it's, it was an easy commute for my mm-hmm. job. So I began to explore, um, started exploring North Hollywood, started exploring Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys, especially Van Nuys Boulevard, um, near Panorama City, going through some of the back streets or whatnot. And, you know, what I found to no surprise, obviously, to anyone who lives in the Valley or is from there, it is a really incredible kind of tucked away part of Los Angeles that a lot of people don't value, I don't think, the way that they should. As of right now, the Valley isn't a place that is under, is, is, that it isn't being, it's not being redeveloped at anywhere near the pace of, of downtown or Hollywood or anything mm-hmm. like that. In a lot of ways, you can find like a a type of living in Los Angeles that you can't find in Los Angeles anymore or in, in, in central Los Angeles anymore. But you know, it's really, it's, it's a place that's changing too. It's changing slowly at a much slower pace, but you know, it's almost like a snapshot in time. But I, I, even in the short time that I've been here or have been living out there, it's, you know, things are getting shuttered. Things are getting torn down. You know, the, the best way to say it is, the Valley's kind of been been left to develop in a way that serves its population very well mm-hmm. right now. There, if you live in the Valley, you can, you know, there's affordable, 
you know, food, there's different markets. There's a, there's a, there's a whole world and a, a whole support structure for you out there that in Los Angeles is disappearing due to, you know, neighborhoods being gentrified at really rapid rates. Right. And I appreciate that about the Valley. And it also reminds me of, it, it honestly reminds me of Hollywood before the current wave of change. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a very, it's very genuine and, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy living out there. And, and for me, it's new. It's not places I've been. So every time I go on an excursion in the valley, I'm actually photographing places I haven't seen. And I'm exploring back streets and things like that. And, and for someone who skateboarded all through Los Angeles his whole life, like it's pretty cool to go to a place where I don't know where I'm going. There's, uh, when you go to places that are unfamiliar, do you find that you see it and photograph it considerably differently? Does it stretch you in, in any way? Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I always it does definitely stretch me. And one of the things with the valley in particular is, you know, I'm I'm pretty I try to be careful to fit it into the picture of Los Angeles that I have. And when something's unfamiliar, like, you know, for example, if I'm photographing Hollywood or Koreatown, you know, these are places I've been past a ton of times. There's a, I already know in my head what I'm trying to convey, what I'm trying to, um, you know, express. And in the Valley, that's not necessarily the case because it's so unfamiliar. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, my approach is kind of from a place of wonder as opposed to, as opposed to coming from a place of nostalgia. And it's, it's, you know, I try to keep an open mind and, you know, I've, I've met a couple of photographers that live and document the Valley, you know, before I moved there. And so kind of talking to them about their experiences and things like that, like these, these are sort of things like I, I just try to be, Whenever I visit a place, I'm wherever I photograph a place or a city that I, I'm attempting to to um, document. That's not a neighborhood I'm from. I just try to be careful, deliberate, and to do my homework. Okay. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to go in and say, you know, this is what I saw, so this is how it is, because that's what upsets me so much about people that come to LA, mm. you know, for a week and they shoot downtown LA and they're like, oh my god, look, I got LA figured out, and I'm like. LA is infinite as I'm learning because I'm in the Valley trying to figure it out. You know, so I just, I just, I I really just try to be as, as careful and as open-minded as possible. Tell me about coming to the realization that you had something that would be of interest to others. Because as photographers, we can work on our personal projects and you know <laughs> be pleased at what we're doing and thinking we're doing really interesting work. But you know, you've gotten a good amount of attention to to the work. So, can you tell me about? coming to the realization that someone someone might actually want to be looking at this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it, it, it's, it really has a lot to do with social media, but not in a superficial way. I've always kind of approached, you know, because I, I you know, my design background and currently, you know, I, I work at a school, I do a lot of web design, I design my own websites. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a design guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I look at social media, I, I, I try to use it in that manner. I, I use it, you know, I have a private account for, you know, my baby pictures and things like that. But, you know, for the accounts that I have that are public, I really just tried to put stuff out there that I thought was interesting and kind of gauge the reaction. I mean, I don't let it influence what I shoot. But at the same time, it's a it's it's kind of what I've always wished for before it came into existence, which was a sounding board. You put something out there. If people hate it, they hate it. If people like it, they like it, but you at least find out it's like a critique or whatnot. Um, you know, like people are always like, don't read the comments. I always read the comments. (laughs) I read the comments because they're really interesting to me because whether you love or hate my work, 
I like to know that. I, I, I like to know why. I mean, I, you know, for the, for people that have an adverse reaction to it, you know, I can see where they're coming from. It doesn't, I'm not going to not shoot what I shoot, but I understand. And so I, that's a, va- that's a valuable context to me. But I, I, w- I would honestly say that, you know, about, about a year and a half ago, maybe I, I had put out, I had put out the Hollywood one sacred space and, and, it, it was a photo set. It was like 10 pictures. And I wrote a little bit about growing up in this neighbor in that particular neighborhood of Hollywood. And that was the first time I had done that. I mean, I, I before that, I, I had experimented with a lot of different formats for the Los Angeles recordings. I'd experimented with just pictures and and a picture a day and and all of the different ways you can try to put your work out there. But really, like when I put up that set and I wrote I wrote like three paragraphs about it. I put it up and I thought it was pretty interesting. I sent it to this um, to this uh, person named Ian Sargent with another place, and he liked it and he put it on his Tumblr and people really liked it. And I I thought, wow, that's that's cool. I mean, that was that's a win for me. I I had published I had some things published on on a website called LA Taco, which is a, a pretty big website here for like social stuff, and it had gotten a good response. But that was the first time where it was a photography focused publication that actually saw my work, thought it was worthy of putting up on the Tumblr and it got a good response. So that, that was kind of a, a, a boost for me. Um, but really it was a little bit after that when I, I published a, a set called foreign land on the Valley that got picked up by curbed LA. The, the editor curbed LA sent me an email, um, 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 really nice woman named Jenna Chandler and basically wanted to, to republish it on Curbed, and I thought that, you know, I was like, of course, you know, um, it wasn't like for pay or anything fancy, it was just like, hey, we like your story, it's interesting, we'd like to share it, and it was really, got a really big response on Curbed, and it, it a lot of the response was about how much people love or hate the valley, and, and mm-hmm. you know, some of it had to do with the photography, but a lot of it had to do with with the valley and and just a general conversation in general and you know about you know blight and urban development and things like that it had a lot of comments it trended on on curb la for a while and i think that was the first time that i realized that okay i'm this is a perspective that you know is worth pursuing you know and i never i started the los angeles recordings really with no intention of any of this (laughs) like this was totally not the point like i really wanted to just put my work out and if people liked it, they liked it. And you know, if they didn't, that was cool. I mean, I'm a photographer, I'm going to put it up. Um, but that's kind of how we got the ball rolling. And from there, you know, th- things just kind of started, started to build a little bit. Yeah. Cause it's really interesting that uh, your work can, can get a wide range of reactions or evoke a lot of deep feelings. Not so much as you said about the work itself, but how people feel about what you're documenting and what you're showing yeah. in your photographs. Some people can look at it and like me, you know, just love it. And I can see other people looking at it and just absolutely hating it. Cause they were, Oh yeah. Cause they, they, <laughs> it's, it reflects everything that they hate about the city. <laughs> absolutely. And that, and that, and that's the, that it's so interesting. I mean, because it's like, I don't, you know, one of the things that, that I caught from that first curb LA um, <laughs> piece was, you know, more than, and this has been a fair, this has been a fair, uh, a fairly uh, common, you know, reaction to my work. Why does he take pictures of empty parking lots? Why, why mm-hmm. photograph urban blight? Why, you know, I mean, there's this whole, there's, there's this whole reaction to it. And I, it's a really interesting reaction. And I respect that perspective. Like, that's not something, you know, I'm, I'm trying to belittle or anything like that. It's just that, 
you know, I grew up in that sort of environment and I just don't see it that way. I, when I go to different neighborhoods or if I go, go to my neighbor, either neighborhoods I'm from or other neighborhoods, like I don't go with an agenda to depict it in a certain way. I'm not going to just photograph the pretty part. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just photograph the, you know, the empty parking lot. I'm trying to basically, you know, you know, show a, a, a general picture of an area through the way that I see things and the way that I see things. I find beauty in a lot of that. I mean, I find a composition there. Like, I'm going to take that picture. It, that That's just what it is. It's I just photograph what's there. Yeah. Um, and, and I try to be as democratic about it as possible. There's a street in Los Angeles, Slauson Avenue. <laughs> yeah. And my, par- my parents, uh, our family home is on Gage and Figueroa. Okay. So Slauson okay. is, a, is a street that I have gone up and down hundreds of thousands of times, probably. And uh, that, that street holds a, an incredible fascination for me. Just because the the colors, uh, the mm-hmm. architecture that you reflect in your, in, in your photographs, sort of the change, it just it seems like it's a, it's like an abstract painting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just <laughs> such a mashup of stuff, and especially the color, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is influenced by the colors from uh, Mexico and South America. So you have these very yeah. saturated pinks and yellows and purples that are just like you know just an assault of the eyes sometimes but yeah, as yeah. just but mashed up on this street it's really fascinating yeah so absolutely. i i see that and i see it as beautiful i see it as something it's i like to look at I, other people would just go jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are these people absolutely. thinking yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely and you know a lot of that has to do with you know people just don't I mean, some of it is, you know, you know, a, a purely kind of like, you know, you know, um, stylistic like reaction to it. Like, oh, that doesn't fit with what I think is beautiful. But, you know, what I've actually what I what I've found is that a lot of people just don't see L.A. like that. And it's just that's so it's a jarring picture to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I never get, you know, people that are from Los Angeles completely get what right. I'm photographing. Right. For the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, whether you've ever lived in Los Angeles, if you, you know, if you have any experience with being here for a period of time, you understand, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you understand what I'm trying to convey. A lot of times for 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 people that are from outside the area, it it's really kind of a shock that this is what LA looks like on, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of Los Angeles looks like. And that's just so weird to me. <laughs> and, you know, as someone who's from there, it's just like, but I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it's a city that's so selectively, you know, depicted in, in movies and, you know, and on the, on the big screen. And it's so rarely shown in a, in an accurate way that, you know, the narrative has, has has become real for people. Yeah, but I think it's the value of the, of the photographs that you're making is that it serves, uh, you know, both sides. The people who are, who are experienced with the city, who are familiar, who, who your images reflect their experience, and an introduction to people who have no idea what the city largely is about. And uh, they see that and they may be shocked by it, but it's, it's revealing of a, a part of the truth about what the city is like. Because this city is wide enough, large enough, and diverse enough that you bring in 100 photographers and they're going to give you 100 different takes. 100%. On, yeah, the, on the city. You know, in, in terms of, you know, you, you, you get the feedback from people, you have friends you share, you share your work with, but you're working on with this uh, over a long period of time. And talk, talk to me about those moments where you doubt yourself or you, are you thinking, are you thinking about, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
because uh, I think that's that's one of the challenges of working on a project for a long per- long period of time is trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing? When am I finished? Is this work any good? Um, so how do you sort of maneuver around all of those issues uh, and and continue doing the work? You know, I that's actually a really good question because I mean that's something that fluctuates a lot for me. And I mean, really, the best way for me for me is like, or the best way I can kind of explain it is when, you know, earlier when I got into photography, I tried a lot of different types of photography. Like I said, my, my brothers are in the music industry. I shot concerts. Um, you know, I had, I had access to things behind, behind, um, behind stages. Um, I tried portraiture and none of those things kept my attention the way that like landscape and, and this sort of photography does. Um, and then I also like natural landscapes and, and, you know, I, I do dot my websites and, and, and things like that with some natural landscapes. I like going to Malibu, um, Creek state park and anything, anything that's wide and open. I, I, I like to photograph. So th- there is a side of me there too, that, you know, that, that can come in. But as far as this project, I just, you know, I mean, as far as, as, as doubting myself, I mean, I think part of, part of art and part of being an artist is that doubt. And then a lot of times that becomes the fuel I just keep going. I really just kind of put my head down and keep going. That's pretty much the lesson that like life has taught me, you know, Mm -hmm. and things with photography, things outside of photography, you know, I, I'm constantly, I feel like it's, I constantly am rewarded for my determination by kind of sticking to what I believe is going to work. I just never thought in, I would never thought like any of this would kind of even be a thing, mm. you know, um, it, it, it's kind of had me dumbfounded and I've had to really think about, you know, how I got here and what lessons to take from the past year, which was pretty much the year where I got, I got some, you know, some, a really nice amount of attention for my work. And, you know, the lesson I kind of took from it is that I, I need to kind of stick to my guns and, and keep going because whatever it is, it's obviously there's a, there's an audience for it. Right. Before any of this, and when I, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember showing my um, my work to a colleague, um, and I showed the, the this person my illustration work, and I showed him my photography, and you know, he really liked my illustration. He's like, "You're a really good illustrator. It's really cool." Blah blah blah. And he looked at my photography. He's like, "I just don't know why you take pictures of that." <laughs> I mean, that was just really, you know, he's like, I mean, you know, and not in a negative way. I mean, he wasn't being like, you know, he wasn't being a bad guy. It just, he just didn't get it. You mm-hmm. know, you know, a couple of photography teachers. I mean, I had an excellent photography teacher when I went to um, Cal State LA. That's where I got my design degree from. And I took all photography electives because that's what I was interested in. And um, Jack Butler, I had a really good teacher named Jack Butler. Great guy. Um, great photographer also. And he was really encouraging of the type of stuff that I was doing. And this was really when I was starting to kind of find a style for the Los Angeles recordings. And I happened to have access to their color darkroom. So I was basically in the color darkroom for a year and a half, hand printing these things, shooting, you know, developing, actually printing it out, you know, in color by hand. And that really helped me. And then I also had a great photographer who kind of we had critiques. We had to do. We had to put sets together. I mean, there were. I got feedback on it, and it was. It was. It was constructive because in the past, other photography teachers, um, not at LACC, but other places, um, <laughs> would look at my stuff and they're like, "Ah, it's okay." I mean, it just you know, it just didn't fit their bill of what was a, an exciting or great photograph. But 
that's okay because I just figured at some point they didn't really get what I was trying to express. Mm. Which is a good lesson to have because sometimes you just, people don't get it. Yeah, you just got to do it. Um, I mean, really, you just got (laughs) to. Absolutely. So my last question, which I pose to each guest, is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Wow, that's a... That's a great question. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it into the home team. My, I, I have a good friend, Luis Torres, that I do Snapshot Galleria with. He goes under the moniker uh, Lou13 on Instagram or whatnot. Really one of the most, one of the biggest influences on my photography early and one of my buddies to this day. Uh, but uh, one, of, one of those photographers that really is just about the work. You know, I mean, he, 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 he shoots, you know, relentlessly where we, my buddy Irwin and I constantly harass him to put out more <laughs> things, to, you know, and he's just so good. So I would probably say Louis Torres would definitely be the guy that I would recommend. Oh, cool. Well, and thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, having a chance down to sit down and, and, and talk with you. Oh, no, this was great. I, I, thanks for reaching out to me. This was a, uh, yeah, this was a great way to spend a Friday afternoon. Absolutely. Thanks to Quasi for joining us this week. Find out more about Quasi and his work by visiting quasiboydbolden.com. And remember to visit the Candor Frame website for a regular column that will appear each Wednesday. We will also be featuring the Candor Frame listeners who contribute to the Candor Frame Flickr pool throughout the year. And you can show your support of the Candor Frame by writing a review in the iTunes store. It not only helps our ranking, but it helps us to stand out among the many thousands of podcasts that are out there. If you believe in what we're doing, take the time today to write a review. It will only take a few minutes and will make a huge difference. Thanks to Manitoba Canada for his five-star review. You could also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash the candid frame, or you'll find the link in the show notes and the candid frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on a donate button on the candid frame website or the show notes. Thanks to Derek Brown for his recent contribution. It really makes a difference. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free candid frame app available for Apple iOS and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episodes on your social networks and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandorframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbarianX. And this is IbarianX, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>